it's a pretty good sign that you're getting old. When the styles that you wore in high school are coming back in. And this morning I saw Dalton in his stonewashed jeans and his plain white tennis shoes. And I said, wow, (laughs) my heart from the 80s gave me a good feel there, Dalton. Good feel, good feel. Us Gen X folks appreciate that. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 9 through 21. Last week, I asked the question, what's a reasonable offering? What's a reasonable offering for a Christian to give? And we said we could offer, you know, that whole, uh, answer that whole Question in a lot of different ways. You know, a lot of people might would start thinking about, you know, amounts or percentages or this or that. But ultimately, the answer to that question was a reasonable offering for a Christian is our whole lives. That was the bottom line answer. And y'all would say, well, Pastor Tim, well, you sure spent a long time, a lot longer than that, telling us that. And I certainly did because. It's my job, okay? I just, you know, that was too quick. But that's basically what it was our whole life. But then the question, and I, we, we did talk about some, a couple other questions, and one of those was how do we actually uh, give that gift? And one of the answers that we said was we do it in the serving Christ in his body, in his church. And so this morning... This message is called The Look of Real Love. See, Jesus said the way that the world would know who his followers were was by their love for one another. Love is to be the distinguishing mark of Christians. So while we're told to have standards, while we're told to have theology, while we're told to have all sorts of things and do all sorts of things, the thing that's supposed to define us is our love for one another. That's the thing that's supposed to stick out the most, that's to be the number one witness that the world can see and know that we are the followers of Jesus. And most of us know this to some degree, But we can get this idea mixed up quite a bit. And so we know uh, that we're supposed to love. And nobody will say, I don't love. I'm a Christian and I believe in hate. I'm going to not love anyone. Most of us know better than that. So we say things like, I love you in the Lord. Um, Or we say things like, I don't like you, but I love you because Jesus told me to love you. You know, or, or we have lots of ideas. They basically come down to us saying we love people because we know we supposed to. But it's kind of getting off on some kind of technicality type of thing. And Paul knew that we would do that exact same thing. I'm sure people would do that 
same thing or were already trying to do that back then. And so that's what he addresses here in Romans chapter 12. In verse 9, he says, Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. That's translated different ways in different translations. Some say love must be authentic. Some say uh, love must be genuine. Some say love must be without hypocrisy. But the big idea, what the Apostle Paul is trying to get through to us is guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, everybody out there, it's not good enough for you to say, I'm a Christian, so I love everybody, and it's okay. You got to have real love. It's not pretend love. It's not just saying you love. It's not just turn that frown upside down, you know, kind of love. It's not just I'm a Christian and I'm happy all the time kind of love. You got to have real love. That Christianity is not about faking it. It's not about pretending to like people or pretending to love people. That Christianity is truly about loving people just as Christ has loved you. And so the question then becomes, how in the world do we do that? What does real love looks, look like? If there's all this fake, artificial love, if there's all, all these pretend ideas going on out there in the world, what does real love actually look like? And that's what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand. So if you would stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. As we look at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if, his, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but, be o- but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would help us as we see these characteristics 
as we can see what defines real love. God, that we would turn away from the fake love that is so often pushed out in this world. Even among believers, from the pretense or the caricature of love, and see what the real thing is, what genuine, authentic love should really be. We've experienced that love that we have received from you. But God, so often, even as much as we receive it, we are selfish and don't want to give it. Or we haven't paid attention. Father, help us to experience your love and to truly appreciate it. Father, teach us to learn how to take that love and to emulate it and to share it with others. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's what I want us to do. As we look at this passage, it doesn't really fit into a standard three points or four points or five points. It would probably take about 25 points if I named all of the different things. I'm going to hit maybe um, seven or eight or nine, but I'm going to pop through them pretty quickly. So, but what I want us to understand here is that love actually has some standards. But before we even get into any of them, that right away, before anything else, is what sets aside God's standard of love from the world's standard is that there is a standard. That love, from God's perspective, is not whatever you want to make it. It's not make your own definition. It's not let me just say love can be whatever I want it to be. But God, who created us and therefore created love, God defines love. And he demonstrated, the Bible tells us, what love is. As he not only created us, but he redeemed us. He sacrificed himself for us. And so we're going to understand as we look, as we just kind of touch on the surface of this picture, we're kind of building a picture with looking at these different characteristics of love, what love really looks like. And we're going to understand that it's not just whatever I feel, whatever I decide it is, but there are actually some, some standards, some characteristics of real love. So, real love has standards. I got a question for you. Uh, this is a raise your hand kind of answer thing. How many of you love COVID-19 and you are thrilled with it and you are so happy that we are experiencing, did I see that hand? Oh, Dalton says no. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> nobody, really? Nobody? Okay. How many of you are just indifferent? COVID-19, take it or leave it. You, if it happens next year and it's still going, it won't bother you. You're just... Gosh, you know, you guys are a bunch of hateful people. Do you know that? You are really so hateful. I, none of you have expressed any kind of love or tolerance for COVID-19 at all. I mean, you are a bunch of haters. Do you know that? Guess what? I'm there with you. Do you know why we hate COVID-19? 
Well, first of all, we could say, well, it's because we're selfish and it's really disrupted our plans and it's blah, blah. But look, even if we took all the selfish part totally out of it, if, if us individually, if we were all immune to it and the effects of it and we could still get our toilet paper whenever we wanted and we could go without a mask and, and it, you know, if, if it didn't affect us at all, but it affected others, we would still hate it because we hate to see others suffer. Because if you have a heart that's beating it all inside you and you see the toll emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, you know, you see the people who are isolated in nursing homes. You see the people who've lost money. You see the, the people who, all the effects of it, we hate COVID, not just for our little selfish reasons, but we hate it because we see the damage that it's done. And the thing about this, we have to understand that and admit that before we accept the truth of what he says here. Because he says, right after he says love must be sincere, he says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Because somebody could see that and say, oh, hate what is evil. Oh, that's so judgmental. Oh, that's so wrong. That's so terrible. Love, love should mean if you really love, then you just love everything. But the Bible says no. Love has standards. Love for people actually means you will hate evil. If you really love people, you will hate the evil that damages and hurts and destroys people and families and lives. You will hate things that are evil. I did not say you will hate evil people, but you will hate evil because you love people. You will hate the evil that damages them. That's why we can all say we hate COVID because of the cost to humanity, because of the damage, because of the waste, because of the destruction. And the exact same thing. It's why we hate human trafficking. It's why we hate oppression. It's why we hate murder. It's why we hate rape. Anybody who loves people and wants the best for people will hate evil. And so we have to say very clearly that love is not up for anything. Okay? Love is not whatever goes. Love actually has standards, the Bible says. And those standards are cling to what is good and hate what is evil. I'm going to look for those things that are good, that are blessings, that are building, that are helpful to people, that bless people, that build them up, that nurture people, that touch people, that are things of value. Those are the things that I'm going to value in my life and I'm going to embrace. And those things that are evil, that are harmful, that tear people down, that cause destruction, I'm going to hate, hate them. A couple of the older translations use the word abhor. We don't use that word anymore, but it, to abhor something means you can't stand it. You despise it. We despise evil. We want nothing to do with evil. 
Is that because we're all goody two-shoes and righteous and holier than thou? No. It's because we love people. We hate the things that will cause harm to people. We love God. And so we hate the things that will cause his heart to break when he sees his children harmed by them. So real love to begin with, Paul, from the very beginning, he says, if you have real, authentic, and genuine love, you have to understand that real love has standards. And that means that real love clings to what is good and it despises, it hates what is evil. Real love, secondly, is other-focused. Look at verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. One another, one another. We've talked about that word recently, haven't we? Remember I told you about when I studied Greek, I had to learn vocabulary, and that was that word alelone in Greek, and it meant one another, one another. And time after time in the New Testament, Paul and the other New Testament writers use that word alelone Love one another, bear with one another, honor one another, forgive one another. They use that common word over and over and over because a Christian life is all about one another. It's all about how we treat each other. The Christian life is not about, oh, what you think about yourself. It's about how you interact. Because of what you've got going on with God, you're going to live out your life, and your relationships with one another. So real love is other-focused. If you come across someone who's talking, oh, I'm so in love, but all they ever talk about is how they feel and how, you know, how their emotions and their feelings and what they get, and they never really talk, us, talk about their feelings, about the other person. <laughs> it's all about them, them, them. That's fake love. Real love is other-focused. It doesn't matter whether that's romantic love, brotherly love, friendship love, family love, whatever. Real love is not just self-centered, selfish. Yes, I'm in it for what I get out of it. Real love is focused on others. Real love next. Real love perseveres. Look in verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. All these little phrases could be each one of them a separate point in themselves, but I'm just kind of summing it up and saying, here's Paul's continuing to talk about what real love looks like. And every single one of these phrases is just one, a little variation on the theme of real love doesn't quit. Real love doesn't just bail out when the going gets tough. Real love is going to keep going. Real love sticks, has a stick to itiveness. It's in it for the long haul. Real love keeps on going when things get tough. We have to keep loving people, not just when it's easy, but when it's tough. <laughs> Denise and I were joking around the other day. We were talking, and, you know, we were talking about the traditional words in marriage vows, you know, <laughs> and we were talking about, so we should have just said, 
you know, when it's not richer or poorer, sickness and health, <laughs> we were just saying it should have just said in poorness and in sickness. You know, it just feels like that's just, like, that's just the way it's going to be. It seems like someone's always sick or there's some kind of bill coming up or something's breaking down. Like, you know, I was like, preachers ought to just go ahead and be honest and go ahead and say, right, then forget about that riches and that health stuff. Maybe you'll get a glimpse of that a, a moment or two. But it, it seems like that downside stuff. I mean, I'm not trying to be a pessimist. There's plenty of good times in marriage, but you know, that other stuff that you, you kind of think like, well, it sounds like at least there's a 50-50 thing right there. <laughs> but in real life, it just seems like one of those negative or downside things seems like that's always popping up far too often, right? And, and we're just, just kind of joking around about it, but it's just like those, those downsides come along. And if you're not in it, if you're only in it, until you stop feeling lovingly, until stop, things stop being fun. If you're only um, going to love someone while it's easy, you won't love them very long, right? Now, marriage is a very different relationship from our regular friendship and family relationships as such. But even with our other relationships, we all know that we have friendships that are easy and friendships that are hard. And all of us have friendship, um, what do I say, toleration or boundary. Like, like we got friends that we can be around for an hour a month, and that's about our limit. <laughs> you know, and we got others we could be around for maybe an hour a day. You know, we, we kind of have our limits where we can, we love them. You know, but, but sometimes some folks push our buttons and it's tough. But we all have to learn patience. Every single one of us eventually in relationships is going to get annoyed, frustrated. We're all going to get to points where things are hard or difficult. And so real love, though, says keep on keeping on persevere, stick it out. Just because it's tough right now, you don't just quit and give up on your brothers and sisters in Christ just because they voted a different way than you. Maybe they see politics different. Maybe they, you know, talk in a way that annoys you about something. Who knows what it is? They're going to rub you wrong, the wrong way sometimes. You don't just give up on people, though. You keep on loving them. So love has standards. Love is other-focused. Love perseveres. Next, love is generous. Look at verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. There are people who have just blessed my life in so many ways. And uh, it, it's just amazing to, to look back and see over the years how blessed I've been. And I remember when I was um, starting off, I hesitate to say as an adult because I look back now and I think, I was a crazy kid. Who did I think I was being on my own? I thought I was an adult who knew it all, but somehow 
just, you know, whatever, I made it. But, and I look back and I remember the very first church that I served when I was in Petal, Mississippi. I was a youth minister there for a couple of years. And uh, I, was, I was so poor. <laughs> I mean, so poor. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it just, uh, there was, let's put it this way, there was lots of times we'd get up to the, the grocery store and the cashier would tell me a price and, you know, there was always those back then. Pretty, pretty crazy. Someone checking you out, right? And instead of you checking yourself out and, and, and I, I remember, oh, I had to put that back, <laughs> had to put that back. I mean, it wasn't very fun, but this is the money we got. So somehow, guess I don't need a block of cheese this week or whatever it was. And, um, and, and I remember though there were some families that um, go out to eat on those times when it felt like, oh, well, may, you know, maybe we can get a combo plate and split this. And maybe we can afford to go out to eat. If we drink water and do whatever. And I remember there being a few families in that church that if they saw us somewhere, they'd say, come over here. Or they'd get the waitress. And before long, I'd hear someone, you know, waitress come to me and say, hey, this has been taken care of. And I just remember thinking, Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, and when you are barely able to make it at all, you know, barely able to pay your bills, and then someone does something, I don't know how much of a sacrifice it was for them, but it was huge, huge. And things people have done along the way generosity has touched me and blessed me in so many ways. Um, and the, the hospitality, you know, that the Bible talks about is more than just a, a good southern smile. I mean, it's really learning to love on people and, and even take them in when needed. You know, you, it's kind of basically saying to folks, hey, I'm here for you. My house is your house. If you need to come over, come over. If you know, if you if you need to, a, a place to come and vent, if you need, come on. We'll love on you. We're here for you. We'll take care of you. Donate. It's not just a physical or financial thing. It's it's a life thing. In fact, for most of us, our time is the most important and valuable thing we have because we're all so busy. It's this openness to say, I'm here to share my life with you. Being generous is a sign of real love. Um, you know, I remember I have two brothers and I have uh, one sister. My sister's the oldest. She's 11 years older than me. And I can tell you this. If she had just talked to me about the boys she dated, she'd have had so many fewer problems. I mean, she could have come to her little brother, and even though I was 11 years older, I'm telling you, I was the expert. You want to, you want to, tell, to know if a teenage guy is really a good guy or not, honestly? Because he knows to suck up to the mom and to the dad, and he's surely being on his best behavior, you know, to the girlfriend. 
But how did he treat little four or five-year-old Timmy when no one else is looking? How worried he is about Timmy messing up his car or his jeans or his shoes or whatever else? I knew the good ones and the bad ones right away. I knew the ones that were actually kind and caring, and I knew the ones who were putting on a front in the show because he had nothing to gain by impressing me. Because big sister, mom and dad, nobody was coming to seek out my knowledge, my information, what I said. They, they weren't asking my advice. I had, he had nothing to gain from me, any one of these boys. And so the ones that were actually kind and nice and actually spent time with me and did cool things, and which I thought, whoa, they're 16. <laughs> what a man, you know? <laughs> thought they were amazing. Those were the ones that were really generous of heart. Those were the ones that were really people that loved and cared about people. Who we are. Our generosity is a sign of true love. A truly loving person or real love seeks peace. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. With everyone. Love seeks peace. Love seeks to bind relationships, not to break them, not to stress them, not to increase drama, not to let's see what can happen here if I stir things up. Love seeks to reconcile, love seeks to heal, love seeks to bring people together. Occasionally, love has to confront when love seeks, when love sees evil and injustice taking place. Because remember, love hates what is evil and clings to what is good. So sometimes love will have to confront. But even when love confronts, it is because love loves wants what's good. And because love wants peace to come. A peacemaker seeks what is good and right and seeks the best. Real love seeks to draw people together. Real love has empathy and sympathy. In verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. It's hard to do this sometimes. It's hard Sometimes it's hard for some people because it's hard to connect and feel their emotions. It's hard for others of us because sometimes we feel too deeply. Sometimes we don't want to get too close because we know if we let ourselves feel, we're going to be overwhelmed by the feelings that others feel. We know we have enough heartache that on our own plates, much less adding other heartache. Sometimes with the rejoicing it can be hard. Maybe we don't have as much to rejoice about. But the idea is that we look at people and we want their best. And because we want their best, 
We seek, we're on their team. And when they're sad, we're sad with them. We're re, when they're happy, we rejoice with them. We're happy that they have succeeded even if we haven't. That's what love is about. It's not always thinking about, well, what happened to me was worse. You ever have any friends or coworkers, people around you have, who always have an I can top that attitude? You know, you start to tell them a story about something you're struggling with, and all of a sudden, well, let me tell you what happened to me. And all of a sudden, your tragedy is not as bad as their tragedy. Theirs is going to be worse than yours, you know. Or even your good fortune, well, it's not as good as their good fortune. That's not the idea. The idea is that we celebrate with those who celebrate, and we mourn with those who mourn because we love them and we connect with them. Real love trusts God and rejects revenge. This is probably one of the hardest things. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Real love trusts God and rejects revenge. We learn from the time we're very young... That when someone hurts them, we hurt them back a little bit harder to teach them a lesson to never hurt us again. That lesson is drilled into us. By whoever. Maybe it's our parents. Maybe it's on the schoolyard, by the world at large. But we get this idea in our heads that if we are not ready to strike back immediately. And God says, as a Christian, that's not what I've called you to do. Now, we're not talking about police or the justice system. Absolutely, they're to do their job. <laughs> Someone breaks in your house, call the police. <laughs> Someone does you wrong, let the justice system take its course. Let the legal system take its course. We're talking about personal vengeance here, though. God says, you trust me. Our ideas, our feelings say, I am going to hurt them. I am going to make them pay. I am going to make sure they never do that to me again. Because I've hurt them so bad. Or they've hurt me so bad. And I don't want that to ever happen. And that vengeance, though, that expectation of hurting them, whether we actually get to it or not, that vengeance actually begins to eat away at us. It actually begins to harm our souls. It destroys the love that God has commanded us and given to us. And that's why God says, 
Vengeance is mine. I will repay. God says, I'm the only one pure enough and holy enough to take care of this without being corrupted. I'm the only one that will handle it with justice. I'm the only one that will hand it, handle it without turning the wrong way and without being destroyed by it. Our job, God says, is to bless those who persecute us, to pray for those who slander us. Our job is to keep on loving people. That is so crazy, right? It's so opposite what the sinful nature, what the flesh calls upon us to do. And yet that is exactly what God calls us to do. He says, if you want to follow me, you're going to be like me. And this is the Jesus who on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God forgave God continues to forgive. He continues to give us grace and mercy. And as his people, as we follow a God who is merciful to be like him, to love like him, we are called upon to be merciful as he is merciful. And part of us, even if we say, okay, I'm supposed to be loving, but Part of us will pull out that whole justice excuse, but I can't let them get away with it. And God says, oh, wait a minute, I got this one. If you really believe me and you really trust me, then have faith that I'll take care of it. That I am the great judge. That in the end, whether the legal system on this earth gets them or not, I will get them. They will stand before me one day. I will take care of it. So ultimately, if you cannot handle that, if you cannot say, God, I give my revenge and my vengeance to you, that's a faith issue. That means you don't trust God enough to turn that over to him. That's an issue of disobedience and lack of faith on your part. Whether you say, I'm do it. You know, it's, it's owed to me or whether you say, well, I got to make sure they pay. Whatever excuses you come up with, God says, it's my job. Quit trying to be God because there's only one and you're not it. Quit trying to do something that's above your pay grade. What you're supposed to do, your job description is to follow me. And what I tell you to do is love and forgive. And he kind of sums all this up in the final verse. He says, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We get so caught up as Christians in the culture wars. We're so worried about in Christianity, what rights may be taken away from us and, and what people might do to Christians and to churches. And we're trying to protect and we're trying to fight and Paul says, if we're not careful, we'll fight so hard for the right side that we'll end up doing what's wrong. We'll end up doing evil to protect good. And we've already lost when we do that. If we ever get in the place where we say the end justifies the means. I want something good to happen, so I'll do something evil in the meantime to get there. We've already lost. Satan's already won the second that we go there. 
he sums up this whole thing about if you're really loving, you don't ever compromise on doing what's right, what's God-honoring, what is true, what is Holy Spirit-honoring, but instead you do what's right, you conquer hate by love, not by more hate. You live God's way, you conquer evil with God's goodness. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Real love has standards. Those standards look radically different than the world's standards. If you ever wonder, how is it that everybody can agree that love is a good thing, and yet we constantly battle and fight over what love looks like and what it is? It's because God's love has a set of standards and they are radically different from the world's standards of love. And if you are a Christian, he's called you not only to love, but to love truly and authentically. And we love authentically by loving by his standards, which are demonstrated in the life of Christ. And they're described in this passage. It is a sacrificial, generous, persevering, other-centered, not vengeful, but forgiving type of love that God would have us have for one another. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, God, I come to you and I just ask this morning that you would help us to love as you have called us to love, as you have demonstrated in your great kindness for us. Father, may you help us to have a spirit of kindness, of tenderness, of compassion, of mercy, and of love for those who are around us. Lord, even when we ourselves may be hurting, when we, we, we may be struggling, Father, may your love continue to shine through us. Open our eyes to the ways in which we are unloving or unfaithful to you, and the ways in which we have justified slipping into evil to try to overcome other evil. But Father, help us to cling to what is good and to hate the evil which destroys lives, but love the good which builds them up. Always having compassion and mercy upon others. Realizing that all of us are equally in need of your grace and your mercy. Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.